What's up, friends? And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Chronicles of a Badass Dad. I'm your host, Josh Smith. Uh, I'm repetitive with this, but once again, I just want to thank everyone for uh, for all the likes and all the shares on social media. Uh, thanks you to everyone who's been trying to promote the show for me. I really do appreciate it. Um, if you haven't, please go to my Instagram at Chronicles of a Badass Dad and give me a like so I can uh, get this shit up. Uh, and if you haven't, keep sharing it. Tell your friends about me. Um, but uh, also, uh, still looking for dads. Uh, got a lot of shows coming up, uh, but still, if you got a story, I, I want to hear it uh, and I want to share it. So uh, just hit me up on uh, any of my uh, social media platforms. But uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, tonight's guest is uh, Mike Watkins. Uh, me and him, old army buddies uh, from way back in the day. But uh, he uh, hit me up one day, he said he wanted to be in the episode, and I asked what he wanted to talk about, and uh, he found out his daughter was recently uh, diagnosed with uh, with autism. Uh, so we did our best. Uh, this is actually our second time trying to do this. We had a hard time the first time, mainly because I was drunk as shit, but I was a little more sober this time. But uh, look, it's a hard thing to talk about. Uh, it's uh, When it comes to things like the spectrum or autism, I'm an, I'm an absolute fucking idiot. Uh, and my friend Mike Watkins will tell you that even though his daughter has autism, he doesn't know shit about autism. So we're talking about shit we don't know about, but we're doing the best we can because we think the topic's important because we know that there's dads out there who are who are going through this kind of challenge. And, you know, we're all in this together. And if I can, you know, if I can bring someone on the show like Mike who can talk about this and maybe make it a little more understanding, a little easier to go through or or just to know that you're not a fucking you're not alone in this. There's there's plenty of people out there who are going through what you're going through. So. I'm really excited to share this, but once again, we're idiots, uh, and we say it proudly. So uh, enjoy the podcast. Uh, thanks again. All right, Mr. Watkins, we're recording. Take two. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> so I, I guess I guess go ahead and explain that. Like me, me and Watkins, my friend Mike here, he'll introduce himself in just a little bit. But we actually, this is the second time we we're doing this podcast. The first time, uh, it was a back to back. I did t- two podcasts and I was drinking for both of them. So by the time I got halfway through our first podcast, I was a little abbreviated. So we decided that we would, uh, because of what the topic is, we'll give it another shot. And yeah. This is this is this is go. There's no turning back on this one. This one's getting published. <laughs> well, at least it's not live, man. Um, you know, and to give you give you a little bit of, I, I honestly believe if you ever do like a um, like an outtakes segment of this show, there's there's a good section of that initial podcast that that should go on that. That was yeah. There was some pretty golden stuff on that. All right. Well, so. This is do it again. Uh, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself, like who you are, what you've done, what you're doing, and uh, just go through that before we go into the actual subject that we want to speak of tonight. All right. Sounds good, man. So my name is Mike Watkins. I was raised in a small town called Castor Valley. Um, it is about, as the crow flies, seven, eight miles south of Oak, the heart of Oakland on the east side of the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, went to basic training for the Army in 2004. Uh, about two weeks after I finished basic training, I was on a plane to Kuwait. I had my first, you know, indoctrination to the military deployed. Uh, like I met all my unit members in Iraq, didn't know anybody, none of that. Um, got out of active duty mid-2008. So between 2004, 2008, I spent almost three years in Iraq. Um, not a whole lot of... A lot of time back home, um, got off of active duty, went into the National Guard, the infantry unit um, here locally, <clears throat> excuse me, got out and uh, did some odd jobs, <clears throat> worked for a local telecommunications company for a couple years, did some other stuff, you know, for about five years and realized that I, I really kind of missed the camaraderie, the, the uniform, all that stuff. So I ended up coming back into the National Guard in 2015. And he got picked up as a recruiter, and uh, I've I've been doing that ever since. Um, so yeah, that's that's 
about where I'm at, man. Right on, right on. Uh, let's go ahead and just talk about your family for a little bit. Sure. So, you know, and I'll actually, I'll actually start. So my wife and I met actually while I was in Iraq in 2008. We met through a mutual friend. We just started talking back and forth online, just messaging back and forth. And, uh, you know, I guess our friends were trying to play matchmaker. And, uh, you know, she was like, you know, you're on the other side of the world. You know, I don't even know why they're doing this. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'm trying to survive. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get back. And, you know, if something kicks off, it kicks off. Well, about a month after, you know, talking every day when I was on the complete opposite side of the earth, um, you know, I, I figured there was something pretty special there. So, um, like I said, I got out of active duty in 2008 and I came home and, uh, you know, here we are 2019 married and, and we have a beautiful child. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Okay. All right. Well, we know what we want to talk about. Like I said, this is take two. So, um, (laughs) But, you know, like when you asked to be on the show and I asked you, you know, why you want to be on the show, what you want to talk about. And you're like, I want to talk or, you know, you mentioned that your daughter had autism. And I'm like, that's that's a great subject because it's it, it is real. And it's a lot of people have children who uh, who are on the spectrum. And, and when I say am I saying spectrum in the right frame when I'm, when I'm dealing with like autism, like, yeah, spect- yeah, okay. absolutely. So like she's on the spectrum. She's on, I guess, the, uh, the the higher function part of the spectrum. And actually, just a caveat on that, like, remember, I was talking about my uh, my half sister. Yeah. She, she, so she, uh, my mom was actually up this weekend. We actually were talking about my, uh, my half sister Savannah and she's actually autistic on the, on the very fu- high functional side of it. So I didn't even know. I, I knew she had some issues growing up. I didn't know it was like Asperger's or autism or whatever, but she's very functional. She's working and she's doing all those things. But you told me about your daughter and you said that, you, yeah, there's some things that you learned that you really want to share that you thought it could be helpful for, uh, someone out there who might be going through the same thing. So let's just start from, um, just the beginning of, how you figured out your daughter was autistic. Okay. So, you know, I'll actually even, you know, if you don't mind, I'll tell a story a little bit before that. Um, I I haven't even told you a story about, you know, when she was born. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I ended up being a recruiter with the national guard and, uh, they were getting ready to send me to recruiting school. And this was in 2016 and they sent me, we were kind of arguing back and forth. They're like, Oh, you know what? You know, my daughter has a month before she's born. You know, I I'll finish recruiting school with a, with a month left. So I can be there with my wife during the, the hardest part of pregnancy. And, uh, so I go to recruiting school and I get four weeks in and it's Sunday before the last week of all our finals and everything like that. And one of the other guys that I was in recruiting school with, we decided we'd go to uh, Memphis for the weekend. So we had a great time, went and saw the world's largest Bass Pro Shop, you know, all the weird stuff that you do. And we're getting we're getting packed up on Sunday afternoon in Memphis and my phone rings and my wife is I I don't want to say hysterical, but she's distressed. Okay. And uh, you know, she's crying a lot and you know, she finally got the words out that that her water broke. How oh shit, how early was this? This was a month early. So we're we're at uh what thirty weeks, thirty two weeks or no, yeah. So I I I can't. You're asking me to do math, yeah. man. I can't yeah. freaking do math right now. I go I go by months. Okay, <laughs> all right. So she's eight months along, um, and uh, you know at that point, there's no stopping it really. Okay. So I had to come to grips real quick with the fact that I was not going to be there for the birth of my child, okay. which was the entire reason that I, I wanted to get out of active duty in the first place. I wanted to be there for every milestone, everything. So get back to Arkansas where recruiting school was and come like three o'clock in the morning in Arkansas, um, you know, and all credit to the doctors at the hospital because they don't normally allow cameras or things like that in the delivery room. My wife and my sister-in-law who was in the room, you know, told them what the circumstances were and everything. And they said, okay, well, you know what, that's fine. We'll allow it. So I was able to be FaceTimed and still got to see everything. Mm-hmm. 
And so three o'clock in the morning, Arkansas time, I see my daughter brought in this world and I'm, I'm balling, balling like a baby. Um, just watching this, this life form come in and, uh, I finally, finally go to sleep and I walk in on uh, Monday morning to school, like King cock, just, just the happiest I could be. And, you know, I let everybody know what was going on, took all my finals. And, uh, then the army did something that, that I, I was not accustomed to. And I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this too. Um, I finished all my finals and the Sergeant major of the Academy came and pulled me out and said, uh, Hey, I, I understand you just had a daughter born this morning. And uh, yeah, I did. Sergeant major. Thank you. He said, you know, congratulations. Said, thank you. And he goes, Hey, I saw, I, I see here that you, you passed all your finals and you're like at the top of your class. So I don't see any reason why we need to keep you here for an extra week to, you know, take class photos and things like that. So we're going to go ahead and fill out your graduation form and send you home today. Nice. So they, they did the most incredible thing I've ever had in the army. And they, they sent me home that day, you know, week shy of graduation. Best part was I didn't tell my wife I was coming. So my brother-in-law picked me up in the airport and I walked into the, the hospital room. It was 11 o'clock at night, California time on Monday night and, uh, you know, surprised everybody. And that was, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Um, I, I know that's like way <laughs> off of the question. You, 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 you got those little Hallmark moments in there. Man. It, it, it is. And, and yeah. also because I want to give for as much shit as we talk about the army, I want to give the army credit where it's due. Yeah. yeah they, made, I mean? they, they made damn sure I didn't get home to see the birth of my child. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, you were, you were a little further away than Arkansas <laughs> at that point. So, um, getting into the autism, um, it, it took us, it took us a couple years. I think one of the things that really helped us realize that there may be something going on was one of my really good friends from the army is like a six minute walk away from my house. And he has a son that is three months older than my daughter. And so we were constantly kind of monitoring the milestones he was making and watching our daughter slowly kind of fall further and further behind. Okay. And so we finally decided, you know, Hey, you know, let, let's just go get her evaluated. And we did what most parents do. Like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think she's autistic. She's probably just, you know, ADD or, or something like that. So the process was long. There was a lot of paperwork involved we finally got her evaluated, and she was officially diagnosed with autism on the high end of the spectrum. So, um, now are these are these just tests? Like, 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 I guess like so we already had this, we already discussed this before once, but about like how they test and how they decide like someone is autistic. Is it similar to like something like 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 a bunch of like random or not random tests, but a bunch of tests that have been like just over the years have been just shown to, to, to show these markers. Is it kind of like the same thing when you're testing someone for like TBI or something like that, where it's just like, you can't necessarily look at the brain and tell exactly what they have, but you can see that the way they're responding to certain data or information that that's, 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 that's usually consistent with something like autism or uh, TBI or something like that. Yeah. So a lot of the testing was done um, just solely based on her interaction. Okay. So the, the, evaluator would try to invite her to, you know, play with toys or they would try to pull her attention to one thing and she'd be staring off at another direction, you know, completely uninterested in what the the evaluator was doing. There, there's so many different ways for them to evaluate. I'm just to kind of put this out there. I'm, we're so brand new to this whole experience that I'm still learning right. a lot. Like, like I told you, you know, from the first time we did this a couple weeks ago to now, I've already learned a ton. And my daughter has grown a ton since then. Um, but just, just simple, simple things like lack of eye contact. Um, you know, you're, you're talking to your child and they're just staring off in another direction, not even registering that you're speaking with them that's a 
pretty good sign that you may want to get some kind of evaluation done. Repetitive behaviors. Uh, my daughter is notorious for, you know, she has all this play food with her kitchen and she'll come up and say, you know, daddy, look, we have ice cream. We have ice cream, ice cream. And she will keep repeating herself until you acknowledge whatever it is that she's, she's doing. And that that's, that's across the board. Could be a ball, could be ice cream. Hey, do you want to pet the dog? Daddy, can you pet the dog? And it just, it just keeps going. Okay. So that's, that's another thing that, that kind of is one of those boxes that gets checked. Okay. Um, so it, 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 it's such a growing field that there's absolutely no way that I can sit here and right. kind of go you, over Do you think like, uh, just from like growing up, I was, someone diagnosed me and we talked about this too. Like I was diagnosed like ADD back when I guess ADD and ADHD were the, the new, I guess the new thing. That's when like, I was probably one of the first kids to get tested with Ritalin or something like that. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going back all the way to like my kindergarten days when the, the teacher pulled me and like a few other people throughout the school and they, and they asked us what we all had in common and we had no idea. And they told us that, and that's when I first learned about like ADD and ADHD. Uh, and then you'd also remember like, there's all those special classes that when you're in elementary school, you had like the SLD classes, you had um, just special learning disability classes. Like, do you think that a lot of those kids could have been like put in like, you know, like on the spectrum if we if we knew more about it or is it that new where we didn't know back back then? And that's where that's the reason why a lot of people had a hard time. Uh, a- a- absolutely. Absolutely. Like um, if you look at graphs that show the rise in autism diagnosis, it it spikes. It spikes around, you know, the mid 90s and then just goes up like a like a plane and takeoff. Um, and there's the question going around, like, is there, is there a written epidemic of autism? And there's, I'm not a doctor, but there's, there's two schools of thought of it. Like, no, there's not an epidemic because there's a lot of precursors and signs that people display where when we were growing up, they just would have been labeled as special needs or bad kid or undisciplined or yeah. yeah. Or you know, ADD, ADHD, things like that. But because of what we've learned in the past, you know, 20 years, all of a sudden kids who were just put in this special ed class because they learn differently or they, they process things differently. Now they're able to get the kind of therapy and help and everything that, that they need in order to help them grow properly. So it's, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's new. Let me, let me ask you this: because we all, we all know that uh, the vaccine is fucking bullshit. Uh, that's been proven, and there's still there's still there's still fucking rereads out there who still believe that you should get your kid vaccinated because they'll be autistic. But you, you did mention that there was a, a spike for some reason in the '90s. Do you think there's an actual spike? And I, I'm asking, I guess, what your opinion on what you've what you see in the data. But like, is there a spike, or is it just something that we now we started to notice? You think it has something to do with like? The raising the, the rise of the population. You think that this has always been a problem, but we just now figured it out, and that's why we have a spike in it because it's a so, very common common thing. I think they're saying like one out of eight or one out of seven or something like that are are on the spectrum and some on some part of the spectrum. So, it, regards to the amount of diagnosis that you see, like the CDC says it's one in fifty nine. I've seen other things that say one in eighty eight kids. Okay, okay. Um, so it, even even that is just broad and nobody really knows um as far as vaccination goes so that that whole thing came about in the early 1990s there was a medical journal in the uk called the lancet and there was a doctor who put forward that that information that you know vaccines may cause autism things like that so you know like you said a lot of a lot of studies have been done and very few if any correlations have been found between vaccinations and and autism so for a, a few other reasons the doctor who actually put forward that that article in the lancet had his medical license revoked <laughs> that's, so that's fucked up <laughs> i i think i think more of it has to do with the manner in which he was testing the kids right. to do to 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 you know get that study than it does you know, well, your article's bullshit. 
yeah. you know, we're going to take your boy, your medical license. Um, but as much as I don't want to believe that vaccines have anything to do with it because of all the studies, you know, I mean, you can even go on to the website Autism Speaks and they clearly state that vaccines have no no impact on autism. But at the same time, I mean, like there was a time in human history where we were measuring people's skulls and the distance between the front and the back of the head to determine what their mental stability was. Right, right, so right. There, there really is no, no talent. Like in 10 years, we're going to listen to this podcast and we're going to go, wow, we were really fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like everything I'm saying on this freaking podcast is wrong. I know nothing about autism and we're starting from ground zero. Right. So while a lot of the medical studies and stuff that have been done have, have shown there's no correlation, I am not going to put my life savings on it right just I mean, who, because who, it's it's such no a one knows thing. right yeah no one really knows right. like, i mean it, it obviously like it's been around this is that this had to be around for like, for ages right i mean this isn't what we know about autism is new but autism itself has probably been around since the beginning of time right like it's probably something that you know we just we didn't know how to recognize back in the past yeah i mean like even even guys like um anthony hopkins Right, yeah. The the actor was he was diagnosed at I think at like age seventy. Right. With autism. Um and there there's a lot of people throughout history who I mean, you can't exactly give them the evaluation of the testing, but there's been doctors and you know, historians that have gone over their papers and their historical documents and things like that and have made the the guess that there's a few substantial people in history that were on the spectrum like albert einstein right and sir isaac newton i mean like just different different people (laughs) yeah it it, but i almost feel like everything we're talking about right now is is nonsense like i'm gonna like i said i'm gonna give you all my you know what i know and what i know about my daughter and what i've learned and things like that but (coughs) excuse me but all that's gonna change in the next six months, right, a year. So when you when you first find out about this, because you know life's going good, you're you got the job that you need, you're living, you bought a house in California, you, you had the baby, life's going good, and all of a sudden, you know the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, and you find out, hey, like, and I, I guess when you really think about it, like when you first get told, and you and you, you have no idea where like autism is, it's probably it's got to be pretty fucking scary, right? It's like. You don't, you don't, you don't understand. There's a hot, there's a functional part of the spectrum, and there's a not so much of a functional part of the spectrum. So, what's that first reaction when someone tells you that your daughter's not as perfect as you thought she was? Or so that that's that's a really great question because I I do know you know I have a few friends, family members who have kids on the spectrum, and they are on a little more of the low functioning end. Not they're not like you know nonverbal, you know, wheelchair bound, anything like that. Right. But, but in my mind, when I was told that my daughter was on the autism spectrum, I, I envisioned, you know, the worst worst case scenario. Um, and then they told us, you know, she's super high functioning. Okay. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't really know what that, that meant. Right. Um, and it was, it was a little bit of a gut check, but that gut check lasted all of 11 seconds because we had her evaluated at a clinic in Oakland. And, you know, the, the doctor, you know, told us that she's on the spectrum and she, she broke it to us. Like she was telling us, telling us our kids had stage four cancer. You know, she was very soft-spoken, great bedside manner kind of, kind of thing. Cause Apparently, you know, parents have a habit of raging at the doctor, you right. know, even when they get that clinical diagnosis that, no, oh, my kid's not fucking autistic. You're a fucking quack. All that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like to think my wife and I handled it really well. And, uh, you know, of course, you, ha- you have the pity party because you have these grand aspirations for your child. And, you know, this, this is my my ignorance coming through, you know, automatically starting to think of the challenges and stuff that she was going to have. And, uh, we walk out of the clinic 
and there is a hospital not far away um, called Oakland Children's Hospital, and they specialize in you know kids with terminal illnesses and cancer and things like that. So you know we're we're kind of driving by, and it we kind of came to the conclusion that it was it was really really difficult for us to feel sorry for ourselves and our you know high functioning autistic daughter when there's parents on the fourth floor of the children's hospital holding their kids as they go through their third round of round of chemo. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's all, it's all a perspective thing. And, you know, since then I, I'm almost kind of ashamed of myself, you know, from my initial reaction of thinking, you know, what, what she couldn't do instead of thinking all of the things that, that, that she could do. Right. In, in place of that. Um, you know, autistic kids, the, every single one of them is different, man. Um, you know, there, yeah. there's a quote that says, if you've met one kid with autism, you've met one kid with autism. It's not, you know, it's not like, well, you have PTSD, so you have nightmares and you're not good around crowds or loud noises, things like that. It, it's, it's so broad. Um, every kid has their own strengths and challenges, regardless of where they are in the spectrum that, you know, every single one of them is a gift, honestly. So, so since it, since it is so broad and that like the spectrum is so wide, like, is it like an individual plan that you have to come up with for like your individual child? And, you know, like how does, how does that work? Like when, like when, when we decide that, you know, when we are told the news and it's time that, you know. The, the shock and all is gone, and now we just realize that your kid's fine, your kid's healthy. We just got to figure out, you know, how to bring them up in this world, and you know, how to learn things, and how to function as much as a normal person, and you know, whatever that whatever that means, a fucking normal person. I don't know, but as much as a normal person as possible. Um, you know, like, is there a like, how do you specialize a plan for an individual? Like, is, is autism the same, or not the same? But is it is, it, is there kind of like a uh, like I don't know, like, is there is there a method to the madness of like how you're gonna go go about raising your kid? You know, is it is it completely different than any other kid? Is it that you have to get like like special uh, counselors or or what? So, and again, I can't speak of this because, like I said, every child is so dramatically different right. that I don't even know how these doctors and the therapists come up with a, a care plan yeah. for um, these kids. But for my daughter. We had already had her in speech therapy for a while because she just had a, a problem with social interaction. Um, she doesn't, uh, you know, a, as of right now, she doesn't pick up well on social cues. So if she's, you know, playing too hard or things like that and kids start, other kids start moving away from her, <clears throat> she doesn't pick up on, on that. She just follows them and gets clingy and things like that. Um, but how they go about picking a plan for these kids is mind-boggling to me. Um, for my daughter, we're gonna, you know, we'll continue her in speech therapy because that she's she's grown leaps and bounds since we started that a couple months ago. From you know me not being able to you know say hey, Evangeline, how how's your day? To her, all of a sudden you know, having conversations with me and asking how my day was and, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's an amazing experience to have that, that kind of breakthrough. Right. The, you know, the kind of thing that comes normal for, you know, kids not on the spectrum. These, these are like major milestones for, for my wife and I. So we'll also be taking uh, part in something called ABA, uh, Applied Behavioral Analysis. It's another type of therapy where they will be coming to our home and they'll go to her daycare and my grandparents' home because, or my parents' home because they're a big part of her, you know, care throughout the week. And, uh, you know, they'll be helping her navigate daily tasks. Okay, so you do have you, you do have. Like, I guess what I was getting at is like you know, like, you know, if a child has cancer, if anyone has cancer, you have like your doctor, and you have that uh, you know, that cancer team, you know, where, wherever wherever your child or whoever 
goes to get uh, treatment at. And so there's like these people who are in like who are involved in the whole process. Um, yes. Is it similar for something like that? Like you got you, you're gonna have these people who are just gonna be involved in your daughter's life for the long run. Absolutely. Okay. A- absolutely. So she she does have quite the quite the team of people that are dedicated to moving her along. So she's so high on the functioning level that the doctor that evaluated her is is confident that, you know, with the, the proper therapy and everything like that, that we should be able to get her mainstream to the general education by the time she starts kindergarten, which, you know, which, which is great. Um, but it, it's going to involve a lot of hard work and a lot more hard work on my wife and I than for her. Right. You're, you're going to stay pretty consistent with all that too. Cause yeah. Yeah. So my, my daughter does way better with patterns and schedules and things like that than, than most people. And she doesn't, she, she doesn't kind of, she doesn't lose it when we go off our schedule or routine, but she definitely takes a minute to readjust. So we definitely have our, our time in the morning where we eat breakfast and then we go brush our teeth and we get dressed and we brush her hair. And you know, as long as we stick to that routine, she flourishes. The, the second we get off of it, um, she, she has a little bit of a little bit of a meltdown. Right. Let me ask you this though. Uh, I'm an idiot when it comes to autism. Um, does it share like similarities to other like social uh, behaviors? Like, I mean, you're talking about what you're saying about her, like everything having to be in order and things. Someone with OCD, like, is that? Do you see like like those kind of like patterns with people who are autistic who have like similar? I guess you I don't know if you'd call them illnesses, but similar like behavior or traits that people with like I guess minor behavior issues have. Like, so just just to throw this out there, I I'm an idiot when it comes to autism too. Okay. So and I'm and I'm dealing with it every day. Right. Um, I mean, I'm constantly gonna be learning. So from what I've understood, there is a lot of similarities with some kids who display symptoms of OCD and autism, like uh, let, let's take Hot Wheels, for instance. So autistic kids, one of the precursors they look for when diagnosing someone with autism, they look to see if there's any kind of patterns like do they line up their toys things like that and one of the pictures they showed us was this kid lining up his hot wheels all the time and like you would think it's a normal normal thing yeah but if every time those cars come out if the only thing the kid is interested in doing is lining them up apparently that's a sign of autism but from what i understand and was speaking with other people who have OCD and things like that. That's also something they struggled with. Like they, they yeah. wanted things lined up. They wanted it perfect. They, you know, it, so. It, well, you got the, you got those, 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 you know, I had a, a friend who child recently, uh, they just found out like, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Maybe it's OCD, but like they constantly have to wash their hands. Or they're constantly worried about germs being on them. Like, and they're constantly rubbing their hands on stuff. Um, you know, because because they're worried about germ. You know what I mean? And, it's, and they're they're too young to be really thinking about it like that. But you know, but they're they're not considered on the spectrum or anything like that. They're just like just I guess a social behavior. Um, but what's the uh, so I guess and you're not even you're probably not even able to know this because you're just you're just as dumb as I am. But it's just like where like how do we decide like okay this person's on the spectrum and this person just has OCD or this person just has some other kind of social. Um, anxiety or behavior or something like that like i don't know i don't see like where like the uh like you know like i said we're just th- sometimes we just throw spectrum around like i mean like it's i know it exists but i'm like where's the where's the because you even said like they're saying that your kid might be normal or like or somewhat normal by the time they get to like you know kindergarten does that mean they're not autistic anymore like i mean like what's the uh what are the things that we're looking at that that, that separates it from prob- the rest of the stuff that's probably the most difficult question you're gonna you're going to ask this, yeah. this whole podcast because <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. And a lot, you know, I've been watching a lot of Ted talks and reading a lot of medical papers from, you know, Stanford and a lot of these medical schools and things like that. And they're so 
all over the place that there's really no nothing you can grasp onto is like okay well that that we're starting to build a base here that sounds like a good jumping off point let's let's evaluate this and go from there there's none of that it is all over the place um like i can't even begin to give you any kind of explanation of how an evaluation is done for someone with ocd versus autism right. uh, that's that's just just not there way yet way above my pay grade okay so yeah i mean i just it just it just it's just weird like it's and like we said to like when someone's like mentally challenged or something like that it's like we know exactly you know, exactly what's going on with them as far you know they have the features they have uh the just you know the actual disability you can see but when you see someone like your daughter and we talked about it before you know i met her on um on it's on a Skype the, a few weeks ago and like to me she just seemed like a, a and I'm not there with her daily interaction so I don't see the uh, the everyday activities that you guys are doing but she seemed like a normal kid to me uh, and, and a lot of these kids you know I, I told you before I'm a paramedic and so I, I go I deal with severely autistic kids or severely I guess you would just say mentally challenged you know or and I, then I've also deal with some who are just geniuses that every now and then they just have like a uh, like a what would you call like a, an episode of like a severe anxiety or 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 something like that. Like sometimes they'll even send them a seizure, but they're they're on like the the more high functional part of the uh, spectrum, and they're able to coexist with everyone. But there's some there's certain things that trigger them that could that could fuck them up for the day. Um, so I guess to get back to what I'm saying, it's just like it's just it's such a. I mean, like how how, how do we know? Like it's not, it's not just something we can just diagnose. It's not like cancer or HIV or something like that. Where like there's these these uh, problems that we can see in the DNA. We can see it in the genes. We can see it. We can see it. We can see it in lab work. Like there's no lab work or anything for autism. Or yeah. So in regards to you know things like like Down syndrome, for, you know from my experience and you know just throughout life, I mean there there's a physical physical traits to Down syndrome that you can you can see. Right. Right. So so you can see a kid and go, you know, they have Down syndrome. Okay, that that's pretty pretty obvious, but with autism, it yeah, it, it, you really have no idea. So I'll use a, a a current events example. So there's that girl from Sweden, uh, Greta, the the girl that's doing all the you know global warming, right, 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 right. stuff. Um, she's on the spectrum. Yeah, what the and, fuck? <laughs> and she's she's very open. Okay. About. Um, do you think like not to cut you off, but do you think like I said, like I, I saw your daughter, she seemed normal, and then that, that Greta girl, she seems normal. My uh, my half sister, she functions pretty like, because I know her a lot of her daily stuff. So I know some of the challenges she's had, but she's actually she's working her own now, and she's 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 doing really good. But it's just like, do you think they're gonna change like the definition or the definition? But like it seems like autism is just gonna have to change in general. Like they're gonna have to come up with different branches of it or something like that because because like you said like what happens when they're able to function on their own what, what happens when they're able to go out there and have uh you know somewhat of a normal life uh, do, like, are they still autistic or are they still you know what are they at this point like what, what it, like, it's just, you know like it's, it's it, maybe it's just new but I, I imagine eventually they're going to change their whole outlook on what autism is right so yeah oh i mean i mean hell this all this stuff's changed dramatically over the last couple years you know, right. what's autistic, what's not. And in, in six months to a year, it's going to be way different than what we're talking about right now. Um, it's, it, it is a very fluid diagnosis. Right. And I think a lot of that goes to, you know, when you look at the graphs, like I said before, and you see the, the spike in the growth of diagnoses, it's, just a matter of are, are we better at identifying it is there more going on is there something in the water it, all that all that is going to change incredibly like there there is no <laughs> there's no there's no answer to this stuff man right um you know from from my point of view um so what's what's so you know that all being said like so what is like your like now what is your outlook on it how are you approaching it 
Um, because it doesn't sound like you're playing the victim card, like, oh, my child has autism, and you're going to raise your kid to be, like, an autistic child. It sounds like, you know, like, you're you're ready to do the damn thing and and make sure that your daughter has the best, most normal life that she can possibly have. Like, what is your, what is your outlook? Like, when you look at your daughter, do you see autism, or do you just see a, a kid who's just going to have – because even me, like, and I think even you had a problem struggling as you were older – um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't do well with other kids. I didn't do well in like a school setting. Uh, I don't know if it was ADD or if, or if I was using ADD as a crutch because back then they told you had ADD. It's like you had this weird diagnosis that you're going to be stupid for the rest of your life. Um, when you, when you, when you look at your daughter now and your whole outlook on autism, what do you see? So that, and this actually kind of feeds into the, one of the most heartbreaking, you know, portions of, of autism. When, when I see my daughter, I see it. I see a perfect child. Yeah. I see a perfect child who just processes information differently. Exactly. Um, you know, every kid with autism, regardless of where they are in the spectrum, is going to have their own strengths and challenges. You know, um, you know, just to kind of give a little backstory. So, you know, one of your other podcasts, I, th- I think you were doing with Gilmore the other day. You guys were talking and joking about how, you know, when you hear, when the kids go in the other room and it's quiet, you better panic because yeah. some bad shit's happening. Yep. So a couple nights ago, I, my wife and I had the same thing, like, oh, crap, she went in her room and it's quiet. So I kind of peeked my head around the corner and she was sitting in the corner of her room with this storybook. And it's one of those, you know, five-minute stories, Disney story kind of books. And uh, there's one story in particular that she really likes out of there, and it's based around the Lion King. And uh, I got a, I got a video of it because she was sitting there reading to herself. She's three years old and reading to herself. Not because she can read, but because her memory is so incredible she was able to recite the story damn near word for word to herself just based on the pictures and the page that she's on. Right. She's three years old, and she's, she's reciting a story. When we're listening to music, like, again, I'll use The Lion King as an example. When, when she's listening to the, the opening you know, Circle of Life song on the radio just in the car, she will say, oh, look, Daddy, it's an elephant, because she remembers exactly where in that song the elephant appears or the giraffe or things like that. Like her her memory is incredible, absolutely incredible. And it, it's tough because one of my biggest fears as a father and like even even not just a father of an autistic kid but any any parent is going to be afraid that you know their kids going to be you know pushed away at school or they're going to be the you know the outlier and bullied and things like that um but you know i have a little bit more of a heightened fear of that kind of thing and unfortunately it's starting to come to fruition already okay and it's it, it really really is heartbreaking and you know i'm grateful that my daughter at this point doesn't have the social skills to understand that kids are you know pushing her away uh, or saying. saying cruel things to her things like that so a couple weeks ago she was playing with a couple kids um you know there's a young boy not not much older than her but they're all playing and they're running around chasing each other. And this boy turns around and looks at my daughter and goes, get away from me. You're a weirdo. Mm. And so already that, that hits me right in the, yeah. Right cause, in the like, field. Cause there's like, there's two ways you can respond, right? Like you, you obviously can't beat the fuck out of this little shithead. Um, but so like the only two ways you can respond is what you can a teach your daughter how to deal with that or B take her out of that which is probably not going to help her you know fu- you know help her progress later on in life because there's always going to be a, she's always she's probably always going to have a challenge like that right she's always going to be a little different and 
yeah, I guess when I, when I look at like my half sister, like she's doing so good, um, she's able to go to work and stuff. But she might have to deal with someone who like who would say something, you know, because she's a little odd, she's a little different, she she talks a little slower or you know things like that. And like it, it, that's probably never going to go away. Like there's probably going to be like, there's always going to be a shithead, whether it's a, a four year old shithead or a thirty year old shithead who's going to push those buttons, you know. There, yeah. There, there's always, unfortunately, there's always going to be people in her life that that don't take the time to understand, you know, the challenges that that she's facing. Right. Um. And, and like I said, we fortunate, I think, is a is a poor word, but I don't I don't know what else to use in this circumstance. You know, she's fortunate that she's on the higher end of the spectrum, so you know, our, our hope is that she's able to integrate into these kind of environments and social structures and, and things like that. But, you know, the my daughter's three and this, this little kid was four that yeah. said this to her. And like, a like dad mode wanted to kick in, kick in where I wanted to, you know, take this kid and, you know, toss or, him around. Or, or, or at, least the, go, at least go have an adult conversation with his dad. Well, but at the same time, the kid's four. Yeah. You know? So even even a kid not on the autism spectrum, what does a four-year-old really understand about social interactions and, you know, what's okay and what, what's not okay? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess if you were to say it to any other kid, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal to you. But since it's your kid and we know the challenge that she's having, it's a huge deal. Yeah. You definitely get, you know, daddy bear yeah. about it. And I – had to calm myself down a little bit. I, I mean, not gonna lie. I did go to the kid and cause I saw the parents weren't, I don't know if the parents didn't realize that he was doing it or, or what was going on. But, you know, I followed the kid inside. I'm like, Hey, you know, that that's not nice. Like that, that's mean. Yeah. And, uh, my wife tells me I was a little more stern than how I remember it. But, <laughs> Enough to scare a four-year-old to to be a little nicer, yeah, about it. Um, but that that's one of my biggest fears. And, and like I said, thank God that right now she doesn't understand that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but there's gonna come a time where she does. She does understand that these kids are pushing her away, and for for no other reason then she processes information differently. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one, man. Um, let me ask you, just, like, just, just, just go off, just go off and walk, like, and just have a discussion about it real quick. But, you know, you talk about how, like, brilliant your daughter is. Like, she can sit there at three years old and read this book because her memory is that good. There's obviously something special about these children on the spectrum, like the way they're able to compartmentalize uh, and store information and go to it. And that's why you have such these, you know, these geniuses that we found out were autistic, whether it was a musical genius or a math, math you know, mathematician genius or an, art, or, or an artist, whatever. Like there's all these famous people who we found out were like autistic who've done these like brilliant and like beautiful things. Um, what do you think? Like when we look at like, cause autism, it just, it's finally spiked in like the nineties, but you know, back in the day, like schools, the school systems weren't like they are now, you know, back in the day you had smaller classrooms, you had more like, you know, individual, time with the teachers and stuff like that because back in the day you only have one teacher in like you know a class of like 20 kids um and that teacher really got a chance to go in there and and work with those kids you think that like the way our school systems have changed it makes it a little more difficult for someone who has like autism compared now that that might be why we didn't notice it in the past because things were so much smaller and things were a little bit more easier that you were able to get like the kind of attention you needed just based off the fact that you, you know teacher didn't have like 40 some kids in her class you know, and in such a short period of time to like to work with them on like an individual level. You think like that's it? Like the the school system now are just it's it's kind of difficult for a kid with autism more than, so, more than before. So I'm all I'm obviously speaking. Um, it's, it's just personal little, thought. This is yeah, just no, not, no, I'm I'm speaking with a little bit of bias because I have some experience with the school district here in California. I'm not going to speak for you know all fifty states, okay. but. The, the school district that we have here has been phenomenal. They have programs already in place for, for these kids. So, you know, it used to be where 
you know, if you were thought of as special or different, you would just go into the special ed class and that was it. Yeah. But now what they do is like kids on the, on the spectrum, you are in the general education population. You're like, okay. you're in your normal first grade class. And then maybe the, the guys, the special ed, you know, uh, teachers and things like that will come and pull you out and work with you for a half hour or 45 minutes, hour, whatever it is, and they'll put you right back in that class. So you don't lose out on that social interaction that is so pivotal right. to the growth of of a kid with autism. So so we're starting um, to get our we're starting to get our shit together as far as like recognizing it and and like you said, like back in our when I was in elementary school, they did they, they stuck us in a little SLD class and then we were labeled like I know it stands for like slow learning disability, but we were called the stupid little dummies because we were all, we were all pretty uh you know, we, none of us really did that great in school. We all had uh, just tons of issues. But like, it seems like right now, it's like it's we're finally catching on. That it's, it, you, things are different. Like kids are different, and I guess we're, we're, we're getting better better at recognizing it and, and like what to do with it. Like, and put put them in. I think putting them in like regular with regular kids is probably the best thing you can do it because it, it seems like it's more of a social thing more than it is like a like like these kids are able to learn right, but they're just not able to really. Oh yeah, they they they're they're absolutely able to learn. It's just a matter of how they process the information. So like my like I said my daughter has an incredible ability to memorize anything. Um you know there there's actually and I encourage people to google this. There is a gentleman who took a like 30 minute flight on a in a helicopter around New York. The guy's autistic, and then he took a like twenty foot long piece of butcher paper, and he sketched out the entire New York skyline, hmm. just completely off memory. Yeah, it, like it, it, it's all about how information is processed and. and you know, teachers in general education are going to learn more over the coming years on how to interact with these kids and the therapy. I I say therapy, but I also it feels dirty coming out of my mouth just saying therapy because it it just sounds funny. But um, you know, therapy will help my daughter kind of process the information and get a little more acclimated to general population. And uh, and things like that, but it's yeah, it, it's it's a trip, man. It is a trip to see. I see kids that I mean, I don't like using the word. I mean, normal because none of us are normal. Yeah, I just don't have the any way to normal. say it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what that means, but it's only no, right it, no, really, I, yeah, I know for conversation purposes. Uh, yeah, no, that, that that's what we got. Yeah. Um, but like. So like I said, my daughter was following behind, falling behind in a lot of stuff, but at the same time, at age two, she was reciting her entire alphabet, um, could count to 20, and was speaking English and Italian. Yeah. So. There's got to be something. Yeah, who are we to say? Cause I'm, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Like, the reason why it wasn't easily diagnosed, you know, like 100 years ago is because these kids weren't going to like a normal – what we call school these days. They were being homeschooled. They were being smaller classrooms and they were, they, we didn't have like the system that we have in place, like the strict guideline of like a, how a kid's supposed to progress through school. You know, when do you teach them this? When do you teach them that? And, and for the most part, we all get it, but for a lot, a good portion of the kids, it doesn't really work that way. And I wonder if like, we kind of are also getting better at it, but I wonder if that was kind of like the issues for a long period of time that we were just weren't, looking at these things is like just these kids not necessarily being sick or anything, just being a little different. Like it's like you said, they like the information is processed different, but if it's done right, these kids like they master things like the violin. They, they learn six different languages. They can, you know, they're going to be the ones that get us to Mars. Like these, these kids had this ability, like almost these superpowers. Yeah. And, and with, with the whole, everything we learn about autism, there's going to be just as much, we need to learn as a general population as we do um, need to helping help these kids incorporate into general society. Um, 
you know, like I said, when we were growing up, these kids were put into special ed. Yeah. You know, the kids are cruel. Yeah. They they looked at them differently. They like, oh, a kid's in special ed. You know, it was the kid had a rough go from the very beginning. Yeah, the most important part of like as far as like socially, you know, that's that's the most important part of like those first few years, like when you're interacting with kids, like if, if that gets fucked up, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna scar you for life. Yeah, absolutely absolutely. And it and it really is just there's nothing slow about them they may not pick up on social cues the the same way but their ability to process information is incredible incredible so one of one of the best analogies that that i heard recently about you know how to understand autism works with the brain i'm going to i'm going to go back and use the full volume of Encyclopedia Britannica. You know, like you had grandparents that had like 30 volume, 30 books, the entire encyclopedia, the entire world history was in those 30 books, right? Right. So that was internet back in the day. That was Yeah. So let me let me ask you, if if I took you had 30 books, and if I took five books out of that encyclopedia, your understanding of human history is going to be the same or is it going to be a little different? Different, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So now what if I left all 30 books, but I took one book out and I tore 50 pages out? Still going to be different, right? Still going to be different. You're going to get the whole, you're going to get most of it, but it's still going to be a little different. Now, what if I left all 30 books and I took one book out and I took two paragraphs out? Yeah, I mean, I could maybe put it together, but there's still going to be. But it's still different. Yeah. And that that is the analogy that I was given on the levels of the spectrum. Oh, OK. That makes a lot of sense. That's, that's good. So if, you know, you know, kids who, you know, your brain is wired a certain way, you've got 30 encyclopedias there. OK. My daughter has one book taken out that has a couple paragraphs taken out. OK. OK. She's able to get a lot of the picture, but she's still missing a crucial so what, point. So what, what she does have, she's really good at or good at knowing. And right. she just she can't put the rest of it together because she's but, – but, like, but I guess and that makes sense. So when you have like one – they have such horrible social problems, but they can play the fuck out of a violin. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, it, they can, but there's a lot of things they can't do. Um, we're, like, we're like most of us, like, you know, like me and you, we're, we're like a – we're not great at anything, but we're good enough or we're not great at one thing, but we're good enough at everything that we can pretty much get by. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And, and that's, that's essentially how the spectrum goes. There's, there's okay. three main levels of the spectrum. Uh, first being the, the most functional three being the least functional. Okay. Um, and I guarantee you in the next 10 years, those three spectrums are going to have a thousand different spectrums inside of the, each one of those levels. Yeah. That that's just how much it's changing. But if you really, if you use the, the analogy of the encyclopedia, missing books, missing pages, missing paragraphs, it'll really kind of help you understand how these kids are, are right. processing information. Yeah, that's good. So we'll wrap this up thing here. We'll wrap it up pretty soon here, but I just want to ask you, uh, you know, I, I know you're involved. I know you personally, so I know you're a good dad. And I know you're gonna do the right thing. But like, what are just some of the things that we're looking in the future? Like, let's just say like five year plan. You know, for your daughter. Like, and I know we don't we, like just like anything else. The medical field gonna get better. We're gonna get better at diagnosing. We're gonna get better at treating things. But just as of right now, you know, because you got to get think about this shit. Like, you have to plan things now. It's, it's, you're not as lucky, or well, that's not say lucky, but like me, I don't really have to. Unless something comes up, my kid's going to go through the same – like, my one-year-old's going to go through the same process that the rest of my girls went through. So, like, what are you looking at as, like, a five-year plan or, like, you know, some of the, some of the challenges, some of the uh, things you can look forward to or what? I I don't think I can give you an honest answer to that. Fair enough. Because a lot of that is going to be dictated by my daughter. Okay. Um, We're I, not going to – You just don't know much right now. You don't – like, you already said it. Like, we don't yeah. know – 
we're we're so we're so new to this. Um, you know, she was just diagnosed with this a few months ago. Okay. So, you know, as we as we go on, I'm you know, hopefully I can come back on at some point and you know, and talk about, you know, how things have changed and and everything. Um but it's going to be dictated by her. It, she's going to you know, let us know, you know, how she's doing, what she needs, things like that. We're going to kind of put things in place for what we think she needs, you know, social interaction skills and, you know, potty training's been a trial. Um, just, just because she doesn't, some days she is all excited to go potty. Some days she wants nothing to do with it. So that, that's more learning on my wife and I's part than, than anything else and how to, you know, influence her to get to want to do it. But, uh, I, I, I don't have a five-year plan. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say that, you know, hopefully in five years, she's in the general population, anything like that. Like, I, I don't care. Right. I don't like, I, I don't, I don't care where she's, where she ends up, what, you know, population she ends up in, as long as she's, she's healthy, she's happy, she's learning. Uh, that that's really all any father could could ever ask for. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to put those constraints on her of yeah, what I, I you know what I expect her what milestones I expect her to meet at any right. given time. And I guess this was like, I probably shouldn't. It makes a lot of sense. Like, like we, we, and that's I guess that's what's wrong with most of us if we look at things like that. What's what's our five year plan? But in this situation, like it doesn't fucking matter what your five year plan is. It doesn't matter what you think things should be like. It's like the only thing you can do is, you know, participate in the process and just kind of go with it and just see where I guess just just see where just see where it takes you because you don't really have there's there's so much in this you can't control you know like it's just all you can do is like just trust the process trust the systems that are in place and you know dedicate yourself 100 percent to it and then whatever happens happens and you just got to be okay because there's nothing I guess when you really look at it, there's nothing wrong with your daughter like it's just these expectations that we've all decided that we had that because all majority of kids are already somewhat of a certain, they're all individual. But they all are, are pretty much a certain way. They all, you know, that's why we have a school system. You know, we start off as preschool, kindergarten, we go all the way up until they're adults. So it's like, we had this idea of what like the system, like what it's supposed to look like, but in your situation, it's, it's not that way, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's just that. I mean, this is, this is natural. This is normal shit. If it's not, it wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. Like this is some kids are like this. And so we have to just, just kind of go with the flow and just, I guess, embrace and appreciate every moment and just always look forward to progress. Absolutely. And that, I mean, that, that's our whole family story in a nutshell. Like I had a great wife, thought I was going to be there for the birth of my kid. Well, guess what? Fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, with the autism, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's much more training for me than, and my wife than it is, my daughter, she is a happy, healthy, wonderful child that I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade for, for anything in the world. And it, it's just a, you know, matter of us making sure she has everything she needs to succeed all the, all the support in the world. You know, there was the, another autism thing I watched on Ted talk that, you know, don't, don't push us away, learn from us, support us, empower us. Right. And that's exactly what, what I hope to do with my right. daughter. So let's, 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 let's wrap this thing up, but I want to give you a chance because you've been so like, dude, what you've done today. You know, it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from you. I, I know you personally, we're in the sniper session together. I know what kind of guy you are, but you know, to be able to come up here and talk about this, is, it's pretty awesome and it's pretty brave. But there's a reason why you did it. You're, you're doing it because you want to reach out. And you want to help people. So I want to give you a chance to kind of like, what, sh like, help us be able to catch these kids early, like diagnose. Like, what should a parent do when they have kids? You know, like one thing I love about the show is that people are being honest and like we're breaking ourselves down and we're, we're making ourselves vulnerable because I think to grow as a person, as a better parent, that's exactly what you got to do. You got to be honest with yourself. And so for those people out there who are having issues with their kids and they don't know, and I think you've already mentioned before, it's like. I'm gonna let you go ahead. Like, what, what should you do? What you know? When should you start seeing things? And you know, like nobody wants 
to take their kid to go get tested, but you know that it's important. So I'm gonna let you go ahead it's, and put your plug in, all right? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it, man. So yeah, it it sucks when you you sit down and kind of have the realization that you know maybe we should get our kid tested for for autism. But you know, like you said, one of the bigger reasons I wanted to come and talk to you about this publicly was because I I know a lot of people, you know, around here who have kids that exhibit a lot of the same traits as my daughter are they autistic i have no idea okay i'm not i'm not a doctor but i i think it's a much better idea to have your kid evaluated rather than go through you know the the most crucial parts of their life the first five six years of their life going now fuck you my kid doesn't have autism okay that that's a really shitty way to to go about it if if you get your kid evaluated and they say, no, no, your kid doesn't have autism, you know, great. That, that's great. Now you know how to go about it. If they go about it and say, you know, you, you know your kid does have autism, I don't want to use the word great lightly, but at the same time, great, because now you know and now you can put the, the things in place to, to help that child grow in a way that they need to, instead of stifling yeah. their, that, that, that those differences. And even with how prevalent autism has become in our society, there's still so many people out there that just don't want to acknowledge the fact that their kids may be on the spectrum. And like I said, it's one in 69 or anywhere from one in 69 to one in 88. If you want to go by CDC or the, you know, autism speaks, um, the chances are out there and that doesn't mean that your kids aren't destined for amazing things. Right. It, it's just a matter of getting them the help they need when they need it and training yourself to, to, to acknowledge it, to help them grow. That, that's, that's really all it is. Yeah, that's good shit, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And it's always great to talk to you. I wish, I wish distance wasn't a real thing and we could see each other more often. <laughs> but California, New York, you don't get much more further than that in the yeah, United it's States. So. A little bit of a distance, man. Yeah. But I, I look forward to watching you. Like, I don't think this is a problem. I just think it's just different, and it's just a, it's just a different way of life. And I, and I look forward to watching you and your daughter grow and seeing her do great things and then you educating us on you know this, this amazing – I'm going to go ahead and call it an amazing journey because why, why is it amazing? It's you and your daughter. You get – you get to do things now, like you get to know your daughter better than what most of us will get to know our kids because we're so complacent with our kids just being, you know, and I'm doing parentheses, normal, um, you know, but like you in this kind of situation, like you don't really have a choice in the matter. Like you have to be involved and I just can't wait to see where this journey takes you guys and I can't wait to have you back on the show. All right. All right. It's been, it's been great, man. It's been a hell of an adventure. I appreciate you having me, man. All right, brother. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right, brother.